We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. This week's guest is Damon Burton. Since founding his company, SEO National, in 2007, Damon Burton writes for Forbes, has been featured in publications including including Entrepreneur Magazine, BuzzFeed, and USA Weekly. He's helped high-profile clients make more in a month than they used to in a year. Not only does Burton bring an easy-to-follow approach to increasing your revenue and online visibility, He's a trusted educator on the subject and has literally written the book on how to outrank your competition. His book, Outrank, serves as a guide to those who want to dominate Google's search results without paying for ads. Damon, welcome to the show. Lori, thanks for having me. You make me feel so special. (laughs) Well, you've got the fantastic bio that I just have to read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, and uh, I got your name right, right? You did. Um, you know, what's interesting is I've been married for 14 years and my wife has a twin brother and he still calls me Damien and, and everyone reminds him and he's like, whatever, I don't care. It's Damien. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Damien, you got it right. Well, and, uh, I imagine you respond to that still, right? <laughs> for him. Yeah, I do. It, yeah. You know, what's actually weird now is when the few times he does call me Damon, I'm confused and caught off guard. Sure. <laughs> I can, I can see how that that's an issue. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's dive into this. So I was looking into your website. I'm really intrigued by the story about how you beat a billion dollar company in showing up higher than them in the search engines. Can you share that with our listeners? Yeah, that's a fun story. It was actually kind of in the infancy of when I jumped into the SEO world and it was kind of uh, like a little hobby site. So this was, I want to say 2007-ish. My wife watches The Bachelor. She was watching it again last night, actually. (laughs) And uh, she says, hey, babe, it's the season finale. Come in and watch this with me. So I went in and, and watched a little bit of it. And from what I remember in watching season finales with her before is that they wouldn't pronounce, they, they wouldn't announce who the next bachelor was going to be. They'd like leave a cliffhanger and you'd have to wait. What was interesting about this year and, and now in subsequent years is they announced who the gentleman was going to be. And so I thought that was, uh, I was curious about why they did that. And I went and looked them up, assuming that I would find information on their website about it. And I couldn't really find much. I could find anything on their website, but it was this guy who was a, a Navy captain and he runs triathlons. And so I thought to myself, if I'm not really that interested and it was more just a brief curiosity and there's all these huge diehard fans that are going to be interested and I've already looked, they're certainly looking. And so I, I told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm going to be in here for a little bit. And so that night I spent maybe 90 minutes building a website and cataloged any public information I could find about this guy and, and put it up. And by the end of the week, it was the, the number one website for, for this bachelor guy. So we outranked the bachelor website. We outranked, you know, ABC is a, a multi-billion dollar brand. And so it, it's a fun story to share, but a lot of 
what happened as a result of that. So I ended up, you know, at the time I was in my early twenties and I put AdSense on there. And, and so I was making like thousands of dollars a month in passive income, but the, at the core, why that's such a good success story is because I, I solved the problem. I answered questions that the consumers were demanding. And so that's basically a simplistic way of looking at SEO, which we you know we'll dive into deeper is that was not the most beautiful website. I built it in 90 minutes, but it solved the problem. It had some pictures of the guy that people were looking for. It had a bio on the guy that people were looking for. It had resources on the guy that people were looking for. And then um, I'm, I'm hesitant to admit it, but then I started adding updates at the end of each show that season about what was going on with his story on The Bachelor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was a, a fun experience. And I, I kind of elaborate more about that in my book and some other interesting stories are kind of along the same line. But, yeah, um, there you go. There's a story. That's awesome. And did, did they ever reach out to you and... And ABC didn't. Yeah. No, ABC didn't. But but the guy himself, the guy's name is Andy Andy Baldwin, and Andy Baldwin uh, sent me an email. I don't know if it was him or an assistant or what. And um, part ignorance, part arrogance. At the time, I just wrote him back and said no, because he said, you know, I think I should have that domain, and I just said no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no. That was the end of it. (laughs) One of one of the other stories though. Um, and I'll make this one briefer is I got into, I was a big car enthusiast in my early twenties. And so anybody that's in a cars will be familiar with the SEMA convention in, in Vegas. It's this huge car convention. I think it's only like second to CES. I mean, it's massive. And so I started going to SEMA and I'd come back home and I'd want to see more pictures of all these cool cars. And, and I couldn't find any legitimate websites. I'd find a bunch of websites, but they were all horrible. They were all scattered, you know, fragmented, broken, had maybe a dozen low quality pictures. And so I had taken a bunch of pictures when I went to SEMA. And so I built a website and then over the years that followed, I continued adding um, images to it. So I became the go-to website for SEMA within the first year I built that website. They did reach out and send a cease and desist and um, their, their attorney, I thought, well, maybe I should qualify how legitimate this is. So I went and looked up their attorney. Not only was he obviously the attorney for this multi-million dollar convention, but, um, on his LinkedIn bio, I don't remember the guy's name now, but on his LinkedIn bio he, before SEMA, he was an FTC attorney. So I said, yeah, I should probably shut this one down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Little, probably a little nerve wracking to, to see that. <laughs> yeah. He, he was cool about it. That, well, that's all they do is they start with the ask, right? And then, yeah. then they'll get mean if you don't, if you don't act on it. Yeah. Well, that what, one, one was enough for me. I don't, I don't really play in that territory too much anymore. So um, let's talk about ads and, and search engines a little bit. Why would you pay for ads when you can get sales from search engines for free? There's some pros and cons to any, any marketing campaign. I mean, the nice thing about ads is that they're quicker than SEO. SEO is a slow game and we can kind of get into why, but that's kind of the only advantage. The, the disadvantages to ads are that you always have an ad budget. So as that space becomes more competitive, you have to pay more, you have to increase your budget. Um, and then there's also, you know, like a, a shelf life to your ad. A lot of people uh, will be familiar with the term ad fatigue, where they might be having an ad on Google or Facebook or wherever, and it runs great for six 
weeks and then you wake up the next day and it's dead. And so you're always having a scramble on turning these ads off and on. And that's another thing, you know, a lot of the people I know that actively run aggressive ad campaigns, they are literally in their ad campaigns every day. I mean, that becomes tiring. So to the opposite of that, I'm not one to say that SEO is the only way or, you know, other people say click funnels is the only way and this and that is the only way. I think there's a time and place for all of them. So I'm just kind of communicating the pros and cons. And then depending on your situation, you can decide, but with SEO, the advantages and disadvantages are the complete opposite of paid ads. The only disadvantage to SEO is it will, why don't I take a time out there and, and quickly define it for, you know, I assume most people are familiar, but if not, it stands for search engine optimization. And so the goal is to show up higher on search engines without paying for ads by building up the credibility of your website. So the only downside to SEO is that it's, it's a slower play. I mean, you can easily be into it, six months to a year before you see any movement. And so I tell all of our new clients, like you need to mentally commit to at least a year. So you have to have not only the patience, but you have to have the cash flow and the runway to pay for something that's not going to drive a return for probably at the earliest three to six months, but more than likely 12 months. But once it kicks in, then you have all these other advantages. You don't have the daily ad fatigue that you have to check all the time. You don't have a fluctuating ad budget. You have a fixed management fee to your SEO agency. Your results, like once you get to the top, unless you're playing in the gray area of SEO and doing some risky tactics, you got to work pretty hard to screw it up. So, I mean, once you're there, you're there. And then you can start to snowball your reach of you know, showing up for this handful of keywords and leverage your newfound credibility to show up for another handful of keywords. So as long as you have the patience and cash flow to cover that investment in the, the early months, it's way more consistent and stable with, without, you know, with less drama, I'd say. Yeah. I've always called it the long game. You know, yeah. it's, the ads are definitely more of that immediate, um, not guaranteed immediate because you, you're testing the ad, but um yeah, you can definitely build something. And like you said, once you, once you've got it, once you're there, you just have to, it's more of a maintenance program and then you could snowball it if you want. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is a lot of people will argue that ads are faster, which is true in a lot of arguments, but I, I think the part that's overlooked is, is, I mean, you're burning money for one to three months just to figure it out. To, to kind of get any reasonable return or break even point. I mean, that, I think that's a, a safe average that a lot of people run into. And within that same three months, you could have some early wins on SEO as well. So SEO is usually a little bit longer. Yeah. But I don't think that paid ads, paid ads are faster to get started, but not necessarily super faster to start getting a return. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with that. Um, and, and really the actions that you do with the SEO can yield a way longer time frame. You know, we've, we've got some pages that show up that, you know, blog posts we wrote eight years ago that's yeah. still, and, and you don't, you don't have ads that you run that still function, like you said, for that long. Yeah. And then, you know, you're building up an asset that you own too, because it's credibility of your website. Like you don't own Facebook, you don't own Google ads. And so that's an ever-changing environment and, and sure, you know, organic results are changing too, but I think largely less extensively. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, what's changed in SEO or what's new in SEO? And my answer is like freaking nothing, like hardly nothing, because what happens is everybody gets distracted by the shiny object. So like two good examples are mobile and video. So like in 2016, there was this big mobile get in is what the SEO is called it and mobile first. And, but if you think about it, 
all that was, was good page design and quick page load. Mm -hmm. Like they just want your website to load on a mobile device. Good page design and quick page load. A, a core SEO fundamental, nothing new at all. Same thing with voice. Like there's this big voice revolution right now. Not really because like I'm over here, none of me nor my team are recording voice drops to give Google these voice answers. What's happening is the user puts in a voice query. It pings Google and Google says, what website do we trust the most that has the best content that loads the fastest? What do you know? SEO basics. So if you stick to the basics, it, you know, there's certainly more aggressive SEO strategies that you can implement. They could probably get you a couple wins a little bit quicker than the slow and steady race, but I don't think they're sustainable. And then to your credit, you're talking about blog posts that still show up years later. Like you can't have an ad that's still bringing you free traffic mm -hmm. years later. And, and then maybe one of the last things I'll touch on is that paid ads don't influence SEO, but SEO can also benefit paid ads. Like one example would be part of your ad, you know, when you pay, when you, your cost per click is largely based on two things. It's based on a lot of things, but to summarize this, it's two things. One is obviously how much you're willing to pay. The other is your ad score, your, the quality of your ad. And so how relevant is the text in your ad? how relevant is the page that the ad points to, to what the searcher searched. And so when the ad, when the person clicks through the ad, if your page loads slow, that's gonna decrease your ad score, which is gonna increase your cost per click. Well, as you go through the SEO process, part of that is improving your user experience and page speed. So there are some overlapping benefits that SEO can positively impact your other marketing strategies too. I, I agree 100% with that. And I imagine, I mean, when you talk about ads and, and retargeting ads, if you invest in SEO, then you're spending less money on retargeting if that's it's, that's a strategy at the end of the day versus trying to get yeah. that initial, you know, paid um, user to your site. Yeah. You know, I, I've been in, I've owned SEO National for 14 years. And other than a few experiments, just out of curiosity, um, we have literally never spent a dollar on advertising. And, and we've done business with multi-billion dollar companies, Shark Tank featured businesses, uh, billion dollar international real estate companies. Like you can build a hugely successful scalable business without having to pay for ads. Yeah, I agree hundred percent with that. I mean, people go to Google because they have a challenge. And as long as your site is set up to prove that you can solve that problem, Google's gonna display you. Yeah, and depending on the industry, organic listings will have a better buyer too, uh, especially when you start comparing against Facebook paid ads. Um, because what happens on paid ads is you are the shiny bubblegum wrapper at the checkout stand. Um, maybe not so much on Google ads, but definitely on Facebook ads and social ads because you interrupted them and you're like, hey, look at me. And so then they might go, oh yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about that thing. But with search engine traffic, people made a proactive decision to go search something very specifically. So you have a higher quality lead with better buyer intent because they are the one that initiated the query to find the right solution, which is hopefully you. I love that. I, I never really thought about it from that perspective, but it definitely makes sense because they're actively going out saying, I need this as opposed to, yeah, the ad kind of being pushed in front of them. Yeah. Nice. Um, so let's talk about relationships and, and networking. I mean, that's what business is really founded on. Um, so can you share with our listeners one of your favorite networking experiences that you've had? Yeah, I got a really good one. Um, so 
my business model is largely based on relationships. Um, you know, we do SEO for ourselves, uh, but other than that, we don't do paid ads, like I mentioned. And, and I would say referrals are probably 80 to 90% of our business. And that other 10 to 20% is through networking and relationships. Um, like we'll, we'll get some, like I actually had a, a call right before the time we're recording this that came from LinkedIn where somebody reached out and, and said, Hey, I, I know what you do. I see your posts. Can we talk? So maybe we can talk about social proof next. But um, as far as, you know, relationships. So what happened was actually let's tie the two together, social, social proof and relationships, because so a couple of years ago, we were introduced to the Utah Jazz, you know, the NBA team. And so they were looking to increase their sales of retail merchandise, hats and jerseys through their division called Team Store. And so what happened was I had a gentleman reach out on LinkedIn that said, hey, I saw your post about X, Y, and Z. Can you come in and chat? They just happened to be locally, which was interesting because, you know, most of the clients have never met in person and they're in other states. And so this guy was about 15 minutes away. So I went into their, their boardroom, had a, a very formal conversation with all the, the head honchos. And then when I left, he hit me up an hour or two later and said, hey, thanks for coming in. You know, what's interesting about a meeting with you is that or what doesn't happen often is, is usually you leave a marketing meeting more confused. And that wasn't the case with you. You came in and not only did you tell us the advantages of, of what you offer, but you also told us the disadvantages. You told us that it takes time. And so you educated us on the process. So he ended up moving forward and becoming a client. So that was, they were in the tech industry. Now, two weeks after they were a client, I mean, we're still going through the onboarding process, but he could see how organized we were in how we launched the campaign, how we sequenced certain engagements and actions. And so two weeks into the campaign, he says, hey, I want to introduce you to my neighbor. He works for this law firm in Vegas. And so I said, okay, great, let's talk. So he sends the introduction to this guy. We end up boarding his his Vegas law firm. And so here, here we got in the span of, two to three weeks, um, one LinkedIn post that brought a new client that sent a referral two weeks later that became a client. So within three weeks from one post, we have two clients. Then with this law firm guy, one week later, he says, hey, I want to introduce you to the Utah Jazz. Like that out of left field. And so uh, in my mind, I'm thinking like, yeah, of course, that's awesome. But like, who are you? (laughs) 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 so he come to find out he was like the guy he was the exiting vice president of their retail sales so they were making a shit they were restructuring how um team stores ran he was taking a different opportunity um with some friends at the law firm to do their logistics and marketing and so he was the guy and I could not have spent a million dollars on facebook paid ads google ads postcards anything to get that introduction, to, to make that meeting, to have that type of relationship to say, Hey, we've done work with the Utah jazz. I love that. And, um, I think you did a great job tying in the social proof and, and how this was a great relationship that connected. But the thing that really got me excited is that this was all triggered by a LinkedIn post. I'm seriously like giddy over here because (laughs) I'm definitely advocating for all of my contacts, clients, and, and network is to just, there's so much opportunity out there. And in for some reason, there's a stigma that it's still like a job board, you know, or your resume site. And it, it has definitely grown way beyond that as far as yeah. building relationships. Well, I, I've only been doing the active engagement thing for 
two, just briefly over two years. I mean, two years ago, I was the same as everybody else on LinkedIn. I had a profile for God knows how long that was just gathering dust on it. Like, I don't even know why it was there. It was just there because you should have one. <laughs> and so yep, yep. I, I got on and, and so I had like this greater thing where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to bag social media entirely. Like it's not my thing. Um, I, I enjoy the conversations, but I, I don't enjoy the drama. I don't enjoy the sales. I, I don't enjoy the sales pitches. So I actually had, um, I went through and deleted all my profiles and like on Facebook, you know how, if you don't, when you delete it, it's not really deleted. Yeah. Oh no. I had my wife bless her. She spent like three weeks going through manually deleting every single post wow. and unfriend requesting everybody. Uh, deleting every comment I'd ever made on everybody's anybody's platform. Um, so I deleted it and it was about six weeks later, I got thinking, I was like, well, I wonder why, you know, why can't I approach this from a perspective of how I want to use social media? And for me, what that was is share business advice and share, you know, my family experiences. But, but the trick that I had is I'm, I'm actually a very private person. So even though I talk a lot about my family, I never mention my kids' names. I never have identifiable pictures of my kids. So I had to like figure out what that voice was and what that dance was to present that persona of the types of content that I personally enjoy that wasn't sales pitchy, that could share the personal side, but without crossing the privacy line that I wanted to protect. So after that, I said, well, why don't I try and figure it out? And I, I turned everything back on and everything was deleted now, but I, I could reactivate the Facebook account <laughs> and uh, went through, added, you know, some of the friends that were actually friends. I don't know who the other 500 people that I was missing were. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I started, you know, being Damon and sharing SEO advice and business advice. But the difference is, and this comes full circle to the value of LinkedIn, is I don't do sales pitches. Like if you look at my content, I will give away the total answer to anything I'm talking about. I will tell you what thing I did to drive results for a client. I don't send you a landing page. I don't send you a call to action. I don't send you to my newsletter. I just give you all the advice. Now, the reason why this works is because then you build trust with people and subconsciously they build a relationship with you. And so, like I was saying before, you and I jumped on, I was on a call from somebody that reached out on LinkedIn. And when I get on these calls, there is zero sales involved. Basically it's like, Hey Damon, I love the stuff you post. It's funny. It's insightful. Here's my money. What do we do next? And so it makes it like way easier because I think sales are gross anyway, not to say they're always gross, but I just don't want to be the pukey sales guy. Um, it makes for a way more a comfortable conversation that builds a better relationship that's going to send you more referrals later and it eliminates the whole sales process brings down the sales walls and you have a better client because they know that you're the expert they've seen you talk about things so they basically just come to you and say not only here's my money but how can i help you maximize it and then they just get out of your way so the, i think the first I stopped quantifying it after about nine months, the first nine months to a year after I started taking this approach, it added 150 grand in contracts to SEO national that's above and beyond, you know, all the other stuff we do. That is literally just from LinkedIn engagements. And so after that, I just stopped quantifying it. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool. And I love um, how you're positioning this. And I, I've noticed this too, that being, a giver and really just here's the secret sauce. You know, this is exactly what we'll do or what we do. Um, it changes the sales conversation to 
not a sales conversation, but let's start working together. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not doing the, the dog and pony show. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't built to do sales. I'm a creative, I'm a marketer just as you are. <laughs> yeah. And then you own a company and then before you know it, you're actually doing sales, but <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, last week, um, last Friday in one day I sent proposals and I think four of them came from LinkedIn. That's awesome. I love that. That's amazing. Actually. Um, let's talk about nurturing your network. So you've obviously you're connecting with people, you're getting referrals and how do you stay in front of and best, um, nurture these relationships that you're creating? Oh man. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we could open up a couple different conversations like that. (laughs) I I think one thing that I try to protect is, is actually the personal side of it because logistically you get to a point of scale where it's hard to manage all those individual relationships. So, you, you have to consider bringing on a team and a VAs to help with that, but then you don't want to dilute the message and the brand and you don't want to dilute the relationship. So for me, what I found, and, and this is actually kind of top of mind for me because I've been making a big pivot in the last couple of months. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those good problems to have. You're growing so fast that you have to make some quick changes. And so part of those changes is how I manage my LinkedIn network. And what I've done is I'm, hyper protective of the relationship. Like I want these relationships. Um, you know, I don't know if it's for selfish reasons because they just make me feel good. And I like talking with people. Like I like the non-business side of business. Mm -hmm. And so I want to protect that, but I don't have the time anymore to respond to all of these comments on the post, which is awesome. And I don't have the time to check my inbox every day, which is an awesome problem. But at the same time, I don't want to just pass it to a VA. So what I've done is I've kind of documented guidelines for my team. And so I have one person that works on comments and one person that works on my inbox. And so what I've done is I've said, hey, anything that's a general comment, go ahead and acknowledge it, give it give a thanks, whatever is applicable. But anytime there's anything that either A, is an opportunity to build a relationship or B, is an SEO specific question that I can help somebody with, let me know. Mm -hmm. So every morning I wake up and my team members that handle this, we, we communicate through Skype. So every morning I wake up at Skype and I got like 26 links to LinkedIn in my Skype (laughs) inbox, uh, like comments that they've identified that like, here's an opportunity for Damon to be Damon or somebody that replied to, a new contact, whether it was them engaging me or me engaging them, or they actually asked a question. And so I've kind of built these roles that allow me to scale the personality and nurture the relationships in the way I want to without bottlenecking it. So I think that'll help a lot of people. Um, I don't think it's the answer for everybody, but I think what I would try to emphasize out of that example is that think outside of the box, like stop thinking that you can't scale a personality. Um, you know, if you have a problem, figure out what the solution is and then try to reverse engineer your own way to accomplish it. I mean, I know I'm, I'm confident other people are out there talking and offering courses or coaching or whatever on doing what I just did, but I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. And so I just came up with a solution that I felt would, would solve my problems and protect what I wanted to protect. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, I've not heard of that either, but it, it makes sense. And um, that, I mean, that's a struggle I have. Uh, and I, I'm kind of intrigued by it, actually. <laughs> now you're um, going to spend the next few days trying to, to recreate that puzzle. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do have a team member who is in my LinkedIn. I mean, I'll, I'll admit that. Um, and there's very 
clearly defined rules on what this individual can and can't do. Um, he also edits my podcast, so he's probably laughing as he's listening. <laughs> <to this. laughs> yeah. um, uh, but um, I can easily see how uh, I, it'll it'll give me probably a little bit more time back. Yeah. I mean, you know, every time I log into LinkedIn, there's how many new requests and messages and notifications, and it's it is a big chunk of my time, um, but that's because there's opportunity there. So that is why I spend my time there. But I, I, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's hard to find um, the right balance because, yeah, I mean, you can spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. If you figure out a way where you're, you're building good relationships or even directly monetizing it, man, I think even in two years ago when I first started, I was spending like, 90 minutes a day like even before i was monetizing i was like i just it just felt right like it just felt like there was opportunity so i kept pursuing it and then after you get you know an opportunity or two it's it's not like paid ads where it's a dollar in two dollars out a dollar in mm. two dollars out with this type of approach it's like a dollar in nothing out a dollar in nothing out a dollar in five thousand dollars out mm-hmm. and so um it's totally scalable but it's not literally you know, identifiable where, where you can say it's going to be on this frequency, but it's definitely, in, there's enough consistency to it to make it worthwhile. But yeah, I mean, when I was first starting this two years ago, it was like an hour to 90 minutes a day. And then by the time I started bringing my team on to tackle some of this stuff, I mean, I was getting to the point where I was spending over two hours a day and that's just not realistic. What advice do you have for that professional that's really looking to grow their network? Um, stop looking for the shortcuts. Um, and I think the, the, the further along I get in my career, the more I realize I'm kind of like the odd ball out because, um, I've never spent any money on ads. I, my entire team is remote. I've never met any of them a, a couple months ago. That's a whole other story. So I'm just going to pretend I haven't met any of them, but I haven't met, I only met half of them last year, but before that I hadn't met any of them. My longest employee has been with me for 12 years. I've never had an employee quit. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize, so all these things I've realized in retrospect, like I didn't realize the value and the safety net of reoccurring invoicing. The, you know, the safety net that that provides. So like all these things have become like this huge blessing just because I did them because it felt right. Like that's what I wanted to pursue. It certainly wasn't the quickest game, but um, to come all the way around to the question of what advice can you offer? I would say to, to kind of like carve your own path. One of the ways, one of the, the single biggest things that I know contributed to what I've been able to accomplish is by being uncomfortable with the unknown. And what I mean by that is, you know, I started my agency 14 years ago, 15 years ago. I had no idea that this was going to be my career, um, but I was okay with that. I, I, I was confident that at some point I would be self-employed. I didn't know that I'd own a company. Um, I certainly didn't know in what capacity that company would operate in but I was okay with that. And so I think the problem that a lot of people run into, especially now with social media, you know, like social media is cool for whatever it's cool for, but the downside is that it just glorifies so much and you should glorify your entrepreneurial wins, but you shouldn't be obsessed with other people's entrepreneurial wins because you have no idea what went on behind that. You know, you have no idea that like there's that cliche quote of overnight success usually takes 10 years and Mm -hmm. it's totally true. And so just kind of like stay in your lane. Don't be obsessed with other people's shiny objects. Don't be obsessed with what chapter in life other people are on. 
and don't prematurely commit to something you're going to regret later. Like, yeah, it might be sexy and attractive now, but if you know that's not what you want to do long-term, but you're just obsessed with the quicker buck, like you're going to hate yourself in five, 10 years. And then you're going to think, holy crap, I just waited five, 10 years. So I think it's a little bit of delayed gratification. And, and if you're willing to play by that rule that you, you'll be happier in the long run. Oh yeah. I, there's lots of great little tidbits there. Um, there's so much truth to, to staying in your lane and, and not looking at, I like the statement of, you know, your chapter one is it, someone else's chapter 20 is not your chapter one. You know, you have to look at where you yeah. are and not worry so much about where other people are. Um, yeah, it's a really good way to look at that. You know, you know, what's interesting is I have a lot of other friends that have, have accomplished some great things. And, um, every time I've had a conversation with them where I've said something like, wow, you got like so many things going on. And I mean that in a, in a compliment because they have this business that's doing these great things and this other business that's doing these other great things. Every single time they reply back and they're like, yeah, it sucks. Like, I wish I did what you did and just picked one thing. And so I think that it's definitely a personality thing. Some people enjoy juggling a lot of things. And I've, I've had a lot of friends that, they've admitted they, they don't perform unless they're under pressure. And so that works for them. But the majority of them, the majority of the people that I know that are successful in multiple capacities hate having multiple capacities. Interesting. That That's an interesting perspective and I haven't really dove into that. And now I, I want to, I mean, I know some people that have really gone deep into one area and then there's others that have, taken the wide approach. So um, I'm kind of curious. I want to pick their brains a little bit about. Yeah. I mean, if you could be passive about it, if you know, six businesses that you only have to t- touch on every once in a while, then, then that's cool. But sure. I mean, as we, as we all know, <laughs> usually you start something and you end up just starting another job. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> we all have great ideas, but at the end of the day, you know, nothing's going to really run itself unless you are system master and find the most amazing people. Um, so, you know, I, we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Damon, do you have one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you could do it within the six degree? Mm, I'm the worst person to ask those kind of questions. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't. Um, and I, I don't necessarily have an answer why. Um, I've never been one to have like follow gurus or have an obsession over celebrities um, I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm not one for favorites. I don't necessarily have a favorite movie. I have a couple I like, but you know, I don't have a favorite band. I don't know. No, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you don't need to apologize. I mean, honestly, sometimes people throw this question back at me and I, I struggle with that as well. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily, I'm not afraid to reach out to people and, and try to connect. It's more of yeah. like having what is it that I want to, what, what conversation of value do I really want to have with that individual? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the problem for me um, is I'm sure there's some people, there's definitely people I'd find interesting to talk to, but I don't have a direct topic of interest that mm-hmm. I could you know, have a value conversation about. And then the other thing is, is if there is somebody that I want to pursue, then then I just go pursue them. Like, you know, I'm not one to go, Oh, that would be nice. And it's the same thing like in business. Um, you know, a lot of people will be like, Oh, I wish I could do this or that. And it's kind of like we touched on earlier and we'll figure out where you are, figure out where you want to be in reverse engineer it. So it's kind of the same thing. If, if 
if I have somebody that I want to try and engage with and I just go make it happen. Yeah, totally. All right. So this is an opportunity for you to ask me a question. Um, so toss one at me. Mm, Ori, how many times do people slaughter your last name? <laughs> Fairly often, actually. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. you know, uh, it's because I would have been one of those, you know, when you when in the intro and you said it, I'm like, oh, thank God she said it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looks like hi bye, pronounced hi B. Yeah, it, it's yeah, pretty I, simple. I think, but... I, I think I would have been a. I think I I, I can't remember what I was going to say, but I was. I off. get Higby a lot. I think that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I've learned is. Um, to just ask. Uh, so a lot of times when I'm on podcasts or if I have a guest on my podcast, I'll just say, can you help me pronounce your name? Because mm -hmm. then it's not the awkward, like, uh, is this how you say it? And then you say it wrong. <laughs> yep. Yep. I've, I've done that, especially, you know, or I'll just write it out phonetically so that when I do introduce that individual, yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> reading the words that I wrote instead of looking yeah. at their name. <laughs> yeah. I'll jump on podcasts and I'll fire up a little, a little text file that I'll keep in front of me if I have to keep a little note and I'll phonetically type it out as well. <laughs> totally. It makes my life a lot easier. Or I try to find something to rhyme with it, um, you know, or just yeah. to make it, just make it easier yeah. to, to say so. Have you ever had anybody pronounce it high by? Yep. I've gotten high by. That's, that's how I tell people when I spell it out, I say it looks like high by. But that's going to confuse them more because there's no E at the end. <laughs> and I guess <laughs> high could be H-I or H-I-G-H. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I started doing um, is I started, I started a, a folder on Facebook of coffee name fails. So anytime I order coffee, it's David is the biggest culprit. I don't know how. Oh, sure. And sure. and I even pronounce it. I'm or I'll even get that on the phone. This is Damon. How can I help you? Hey, David, is Damon there? <laughs> <laughs> I get Lisa a lot, and I don't know why. I'm guessing it's because it's a four four letters and starts with an L. L and I, uh, yeah. But I get a lot of emails, and I get a lot of people calling me Lisa, which is so bizarre. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, hello, my fellow name fell friend. <laughs> It's so simple, but, but I got yours right. So that's good. Um, all right. So Damon, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Well, um, as we discussed, I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can come say hello there. And that's where I'm most active. I'm, I'm on Facebook as well. And if you want to follow my entrepreneurial journey, um, you search my name. I keep an active blog, DamonBurton.com. And then maybe the last thing I'll throw out is if SEO is of interest to you, I have a free copy of my Amazon best-selling book. I feel so I feel so cringy having to throw that out there, like Amazon. <laughs> but That's it's like, what you're, the publicist would say, though, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a hundred. 35 page book so it's a book book it's not just like a, a white paper um you can get that at free seobook.com that's awesome we will include all that information in our show notes thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today thanks Lori. hi bye <laughs> i love it <laughs> clever <Badumptus>. man <laughs> <laughs> all right well this wraps up our episode of social capital huge thank you to damon for taking the time to connect and share with us if you want to continue the conversation on networking and building your community join our facebook group 
Just search for Social Capital Network. If you need me, send an email at, to Lori at socialcapitalpodcast.com. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.